Good evening. Um, we are burning the midnight oil over here at Kaiju Transmissions. Um, actually, well, we are, but I'm pretty sure Matt and I have recorded much later than this. We have. Uh, but yes, it's very late <laughs> at night. I'm Kyle Bird. That was, of course, Matt Parley, my co-host. Um, yeah, I think, what's the latest? I think we, we, we did one at like 2 o'clock once. We, we've also had, the, like, Norman England, I think. Our buddy Norman, we recorded, like, into yeah. the... Into the morning. morning. Yeah, it was like 5 a.m. Well, yeah, well, there's the time difference. Over there, it was like 5 p.m., but uh, luckily, that was on a weekend. I think there was a weekday one, though, where we did, like, we were like, yeah, just fuck it. Let's do it at, like, 2. Let's just do it. And then I remember, like, it was probably, like, a delirious conversation that we had, and then we both went and stumbled into work. Uh, <laughs> the next morning. That is that is definitely gonna be me tomorrow. So. Yeah, it'll be me, but probably not not nearly as bad as as that one. So yes, without further ado, uh, welcome to another October edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. If you've been with us for a while, you know that uh, that's kind of our excuse to explore our own horror uh, fandom, you know, and find things that are related or tangentially related to. Japanese genre films or giant monsters and uh, kind of get in the Halloween spirit. It's my favorite time of year. And of course, it is our friend Tom, a frequent co-host, uh, uh, guest co-host. He is all about it. Every October, he watches upwards of 50 to 70 movies. And we it's gotten to the point where, for Kaiju Transmissions, he basically says, let me know when you're recording, and like two days before, tell me what movies we're talking about, and I'll watch them in a span of five hours or something, and I will be there. So, yeah, of course... Uh, it is October or Tom Tober or. We should do a poll question on our uh, Twitter and just see what people prefer. <laughs> I think both sound fine though. Yeah. Um... It's uh yep. I uh, <laughs> I st- I have already forgotten the the movies that are that are uh, <laughs> lined up for later this month. Um, but I'll be here. <laughs> um, He'll get to I, that. That happened with this episode specifically. I, I like you guys were like, "Oh, we're gonna do the blob, and we're gonna do these other things," and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm 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 down." And like I watched all three blob movies, and then I was like, "Hey guys, what what uh, what else do I need to watch?" <laughs> <laughs> and Bird was like, "Oh, we we're doing these snake girl things," and I was like, "What we're doing these what?" <laughs> And yeah, and then like, I was like, you, would, I you said you, this... you everything, and I was yeah, like, you'd yeah. like, he send me all the descriptions, and I was like, oh yeah, I just said yes without looking at anything. Yeah, it's kind of like I think I think you would just need an excuse to like ingest as many horror movies as you can. It's only what the ninth, we're into the tenth, I guess technically. And I, how many horror movies have you watched in October? Sixteen. Uh, yeah. See, that's your already watching more than a lot of people will in the entire month so uh yeah you're you you've gone insane so yes 17 as, if you count joker yeah well yeah i mean i guess I that could be, does that does that count as a horror movie i haven't seen it yet i want to you guys it could be adjacent for sure or adjacent okay yeah you know i mean especially if you're gonna talk about something like you know henry portrait of a serial killer in terms of, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely adjacent. So I, I, I think you could make a case for it. Um, so yes, uh, snake girls, snake women, uh, 
is kind of the, the, the hot topic today. Um, so we're going to be focusing on uh, 1968 Daie film, uh, Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch, directed by Gamera creator Noriaki Yuasa, who, um, uh, yeah, this movie does not... I mean, I, I think I think we're probably all going to be on the same page and saying, like, we kind of probably have, like, a little bit more appreciation for this guy after seeing this. Um, and then... <laughs> um, and that's based on a manga, uh, and then um, there was a, a TV version later on, directed by Noboro Iguchi, who a lot of people know from those like insane uh, Japanese like splatter movies. Um, and so we're gonna get into those. And um, uh, so um, uh, I'm gonna start by just. In Japanese folklore, there's a, a big thing with snake girls and snake women um, as these kind of deceptive uh, supernatural beings. Um, it's prominent in Japanese and Chinese folklore. Um, sometimes they're these tragic figures that used to be human beings. Sometimes they're these mysterious half-snake, half-people creatures. Um, there's also uh, a snake woman, uh, yokai, uh, which is the Nure Ona. Um, so one guy yeah, that there's had even a... like the long neck woman that's like you know yeah yeah snake there's... adjacent kind of yeah. So uh, it's something weird about women and this kind of deceptive nature. I don't know enough about it to speak to whether or not that has you know kind of an old timey sexism to it i'm not really sure but snakes and deceptive women kind of like have gone hand in hand in in these japanese and chinese you know folk tales and such um so uh these are both very loose adaptations of uh some comics by uh, a guy named kazuo Yumizu, who um, this actually isn't the first time we've reviewed something based on his work. Um, last year we did uh, Sh uh, Shusuke Kaneko's horror films. One of them was God's Right Hand, the Devil's Left Hand, or is it God's Left Hand, the Devil's Right Hand? Whatever it is. Um, yeah. yeah, that was based on one of his uh, uh, mangas. So um, I guess to tell us a couple quick little uh, things just in terms of background, um, Tom, you, you want to let us, give us the gist of, of who this, this fellow is. Uh, yeah, he was one of Japan's most famous creators of horror manga. Um, he made like dark fairy tale stories. Mostly they're aimed at children, but, uh, they're apparently often like incredibly disturbing, which I, I could get, I could understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not so much from this, but, you know, our, our buddy Kevin over at Mazer Patrol showed us um, some, like, screen caps from the other episodes and, and some kind of, like, little brief, like, um, they weren't exactly episode or plot synopses, but they were just, like, things that happen in some of the other episodes of, of, of some of the stuff based on this guy's manga. And I was like, that's horrifying. Um <laughs> And like horrifying in like a in like a disturbed like twisted <laughs> way, um, and it's funny because you know you watch this one and we'll we'll get more into it, but it feels like a it feels like a Goosebumps episode, 
Um, and then we saw these other ones. I was like, oh, one of these things is not like the other. Um, and Umezu published, uh, or Umezu, whatever you pronounce it, he published a volume of Snake Girl stories uh, called Reptilia. And so I think some of this is based on those stories. Uh, on Ultraman, by the way, which is kind of neat. So Noriya- Noriaki Yuasa's Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch is loosely based on two of those stories from Reptilia. One is Afraid of Mommy, and the other one is the uh, the, the title of the, the collection, Reptilia. Um, the star of the movie, uh, Yachi, Yashi Matsui, only acted in one other film and became a champion bowler later in life. So <laughs> Pretty interesting. Would you, would you look at that? Um I know Reptilia is also available. Uh, it was put out by IDW in like 2007, I think. So it, yeah. it's it's out there. You can check it yeah. out. You know, like like Bird mentioned before, Yuasa is definitely most well known to certainly Americans and, and honestly at this point probably Japanese viewers as well. <laughs> um, as the director of the 60s and 70s Showa Gamera movies, and and yeah, that's. It's unfortunate for him because um, <laughs> it, it turns out in like he does one other movie that he's actually capable of like competent, normal storytelling with with decent production value and, uh, and can get like solid performances out of his cast. You know, it's and could weird. actually make like a like a movie. You know, it's weird because like uh, I, I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because this is something that's probably more appropriate for the review portion. But like I was thinking about that because like I think he did a couple like maybe like two like other like dramas and then he did a lot of TV stuff like later on like Ultraman eighty and but again more in that kaiju like tokusatsu run. But like I was thinking like between his like grisly extremely graphic like uh gore and stuff in the gamma stuff and then this it's like i wonder if he kind of like maybe missed his calling because this is actually a fairly strong movie and just a stylistic in storytelling sense and it's something that you don't get from a lot of his other work and i wonder if like maybe doing like kids horror would have been a little bit more appropriate for his skill set than something like Gamera because like I mean as much as we do or do not like some of the those movies like I mean like the 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 kaiju action is like not great and he he did the tokusatsu directing as well so it's like you know I it's just like maybe he just wasn't good at that thing and that's also like the thing that's like 90% of his career I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I happen to like the Gamera movies probably more than you guys. I also like Ultraman 80, but this movie is, I, I wouldn't have known it was him like at all. <laughs> like or like or dislike. Uh, there's a, a, a level of, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. And, I mean, and, like, I, I, and I, and I say this as someone who likes a few of them. There's a, there's a level of incompetence in those movies <laughs> that <laughs> makes the level of competence on display in this movie like you like you said you wouldn't know it was him <laughs> no that's yeah i like i i agree um i think ultimate 80 is really great and i i but like you're you're 100 right that if you watch this movie 
you you would never think it was the same guy. And it's it's got mood and and it's eerie and creepy and like it's very well put together. And, we're, and again, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We should probably talk about yeah. The, so uh, let's 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 get a brief plot synopsis out of the way so we can we can really get our hands dirty in the the review part. Okay. Um, so, I I forget how it's Sayuri, Sayuri. Yeah, I think Sayuri. I think Sayuri. She gets. I was a little unclear at the very beginning of this. She does she get? She doesn't get adopted. She gets like brought back home. Yeah, there was a mix up at the hospital, and she's actually their biological daughter, but they didn't know it at the time. And they end up finding her like at a like a monastery of some kind. She she's at some sort of place yeah. where like there's a nun. It's a little bit weird because they also treat that piece of evidence or whatever that that she's the biological daughter or whatever. They treat that like a reveal later on. It's like two thirds in the movie, yeah. So it's she gets like brought like at the start of the movie she's being brought home to her family. Um out of like an orphanage basically and it that's the the one part of the movie where it's just like i'm uh, okay maybe you also did do this because <laughs> it's, 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 it's just unclear exactly what's happening but she's super happy she finally has a family of her own she's no longer living in a home for orphan children you know um and and everything seems pretty great she's at home um and she's got a mom and a dad. She's not allowed in this one room, but she's like, eh, you know, whatever. I'm fine. Uh, and then one day, dad has to go to Africa to study snakes. Um, it's a, it's kind of a rare opportunity. He really doesn't want to go. He wants to, like, stay home with his, you know, newfound daughter and, and his wife and, like, celebrate their happiness. But the daughter's like... No, you're you're fine. I've I've got a mom. I've got mom. Like you're gonna be gone for two weeks. We got the rest of our lives, and so he goes. Um, you know, and and he's like, oh yeah, you know. Plus the housekeepers, even though one was just horrifically murdered, um, <laughs> <laughs> she'll 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 be fine here with, with these with these housekeepers. Um, and and she is like, yeah, I'll be fine. I've waited this long. What's a couple more weeks? Um. And uh, at, shortly after the dad leaves, the mom is like, hey, you can go into that forbidden room. And she goes in there and she meets her sister, who she didn't know existed, uh, Tamami. And uh, she lives in a separate wing of the house. And the mom is like, yeah, don't tell your father. Uh, and this raises no red flags. <laughs> Um, but Sayuri is distressed by this pressure to keep things so quiet. And she begins having nightmares where Tamami attacks her and transforms into like a snake girl. And like these, there's these like just fever pitch dreams that are like near, near Hausu levels of just like insane imagery and creepy mood and, and, and I say near Hausu because Hausu is is seems more kid friendly. Um, this this seems set, definitely set to like really scare kids. Um, but the the ultimate reveals of 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 these these torments are 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 kind of 
I don't know. It's tough. Like, I guess we can get into them, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like the movie lays enough different threads throughout that if you go and watch this and because it's on YouTube available to be watched, like it really spoil. like go watch this maybe before you listen to the review. Um, because there's like a lot of different plot threads like sewn throughout this where um, as we start going down this like the storyline of the movie and you know oh there's this and there's this like as a viewer you're like oh it, it could be the, the mom could be the twisted one the sister could be the twisted one um, there could be some crazy third option um, which there kind of is uh, and and you keep guessing and you're, you're not really sure you're left a little unclear until towards the end of the movie. And, and that's, that's pretty good storytelling by Yuasa. Uh, and it's, it's, that's the big, biggest piece of this that I like, you know, watch this movie and I wouldn't have expected him to be able to lay that good of a, of a intricate, you know, little groundwork. Um, but yeah, basically, at the 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 ultimate reveal is that um, Tamami is um, she's like she has been raised by the mom and dad. They thought she was the daughter, but she wasn't. Um, when the daughter Sayuri was brought back home, um, this this Tamami is like. She's like a snake. She's got hatred in her heart. Uh, and she's 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 just very, very hateful. And so that manifests itself on the outside. Um, but that is also revealed to be kind of a trick because mostly it's just that she's got like a scar on her face, but like it's it's made up and built up in Sayuri's head more to make her seem like she's living with a literal snake girl. And then the silver haired witch who's also tormenting her and, and sicking the, the, uh, the, the snake girl on her is, is revealed to be one of the, one of the housekeepers. And it's all kind of like a little Scooby Dooian, you know, where it's like the, the, you know, the, the monster is a front for just normal people doing messed up stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know what, what your guys thoughts on it from a review standpoint uh yeah no i'm i'm pretty much with you there i i think um i mean we we talked enough about the 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 plot that i think we can kind of get into it a little bit but um one thing that i i think it does well is like the the movie is told almost strictly from the little girl's point of view and the movie kind of gives you this like like she's a little girl first of all but then she's also kind of like devolving into this like delirium and paranoia and um the movie kind of makes her a little bit of an unreliable narrator type and so it it's able to kind of like go for a lot of like surreal stuff like like you said like i mean the snake girl's appearance is like it is what it is a lot of it because like it's built up in her head to be one thing. Um, so I, I really think that that's something that the movie does in a, a way that 
really makes it interesting and it makes it a little bit more ambitious than what you might expect. Um, and clever. Right. And, um, it's, you know, it's it, clever to like prey on a little girl who's transitioning into uh, an unfamiliar territory and, you know, incept her. You know, basically, it's kind of like the villain's plan in this, right? Is to constantly plant these seeds of these ideas such that even when she's looking at the the normal situation, it's, it's kind of like a kid, you know, vers- when the lights are on versus when the lights are off. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the silver-haired witch, it turns out to be is uh, the the housekeeper, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's um, the head housekeeper. And they're they're kind of trying to drive her crazy because why are they trying to drive her crazy? <laughs> I I know that Tamami is doing it because she's scared that Sayori is gonna like replace her right. in the house, yeah. basically. Yeah. But and I don't, other, I'm not quite sure what the 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 housekeeper's yeah, goal was. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, just like jealousy and being a dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, then it ends up being it's the uh, housekeeper kind of. You feel like she's manipulating Tamami kind of uh, t- into it. And, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, for, for, yeah, and it, it gets into crazy stuff. Like, if for some reason in the basement, so Tamami has like a cages of snakes and reptiles which i guess i guess is probably her dad's because he's he studies yeah. them. but it's but for whatever reason they have like this aquarium <laughs> that's just got like like flesh-eating acid in it and Wait, she's, it's like, like on tap i guess you go to the bar and the acid is on tap and she's like pouring <laughs> glasses of it and throwing it on the snakes yeah um I, this movie has there's an incredible eeriness to it from start to finish and it really doesn't let up and um, the little girl is is incredibly charming throughout the entire movie, and you really feel for her. And she's, and it's like she's definitely trying to make the best of a of a bad situation with her sister. And she has a like this very compassionate heart towards this. The more that she learns about her past and her sister's past, she has more of a like heart of compassion towards her sister. And like it really works well, and it still maintains this this like just aura of. I mean, it, it really is very creepy and eerie. Like, I don't think I could show Land in this movie at all, um, even though it's it's a very. I mean, it's it's supposed to be aimed towards kids. I'm like, I don't I don't think he could handle it. It's very, the stuff is is uh, happens at a pretty rapid pace. There's always something kind of creepy happening. There's always like something bad going, um, bad transpiring to the little girl, and it's it's very uncomfortable in in moments and like in kind of a, a fascinating way. It's like I really appreciate the vibe, the aesthetics. Um, it's very competent, which is like we were talking about with Gamera. Like, if you told me the same guy directed both, I, I, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah, like the guy who does these like scenes where Gamera like horribly lazily like stumbles around, <laughs> like crashes into the the monsters the like same, crash into each other. Is the same guy doing like the the stuff that's like the climax of this movie, which has the not like heavy effects work, but it has like some stunts and stuff and they're pulled off really well and they're shot really well. Like it's, it's, it's baffling that it's the same guy. 
<laughs> yeah, you have like snakes dropping from the ceiling and people looking, you know, the the girl looking through like a kind of like a peephole from the ceiling. And then like you turn around, there's shots where like they're there one second and not. And it, it's very, I mean, it works really, really well. Also, the, the score and the, the sound effects are, are very, I mean, they're, they're spot on for this movie. They really work. Um, and then, like, the dream sequences, like, they have this, like, crazy, like, Salvador Dali-esque, like, like, surrealism to it. I mean, it it's way more stylish than I, I think anyone would expect. If, than like, any of the Gamera movies, for sure. Right, yeah, which, I mean, yep. the Gamera movies just, you know, the camera work, the direction is always, like, just very flat and, like... <laughs> You know, it's like the the best looking Gamera movie is the one that he didn't make, (laughs) (laughs) Baragon, which is like you know that that movie looks like a real movie, and then the rest are just like kind of like you know pedestrian, I guess is is how I would describe them. But yeah, no, this movie uh, it's stylish, it's spooky, Um, it's got that like. It's uh, it's a kids horror movie, but it also has like a certain like amount of like feeling kind of dangerous for kids at the same time, which I think is like yes. perfect for kids horror, you know, because otherwise you get something like Goosebumps. Yeah, you know, no, you know where where I, it's like this. This sits in that niche that I really like when it comes to like, I think horror in general, but especially like kids and family friendly horror, where almost feels a tick too scary for them but it's also definitely still targeted towards them so you're actually scaring kids you know like a like a gremlins yeah um, like gremlins has some grisly stuff in it but it's also right. a kids movie <laughs> right or even like goonies like i mean goonies is very much a kids movie and everything but like the the danger that the kids face is real enough that it's like it's not a horror movie obviously but like the danger that the kids face in that movie is is intense for the kids who are watching it you know and that's that's this has that same sort of vibe to it and i dig that a lot yeah that's something that's hard to nail down like I, i i thought scary stories to tell in the dark did a decent job of that too where it's like yeah this is a kid's friendly but it's like yeah your kid's gonna have nightmares but that's okay you know right um it's a little we we've talked a little bit about how it's a little confusing at times but that's the the thing about a movie like this is um even if it were officially released this the subtitling would still be suspect right i mean subtitling is suspect on godzilla movies and it's hard to get like more just high profile than that in well it's it's always a crapshoot i mean we 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 did a whole thing with norman england and he, he he's a subtitler like a professional subtitler and he was like he watches so many movies also he's like i can't tell you how many movies i watch and i'm just like these subtitles are terrible like <laughs> right and so that's it's it's the movie can be a little confusing and nonsensical and stuff at times but it's hard to know where to where to lay that blame you know? right because it's like is that part of the movie's kind of ambiguity with like this this kid narrator who is like 
not who's like losing her grip or is it like a subtitling problem or is it like a script level problem where the script is just like there's moments of sloppiness i don't know but i don't know I, you know i mean the only reason i can kind of hand wave that away is that like i don't know if it really i shouldn't say i don't know if it matters but it's something that either way oh well i think it i think it plays like the movie is smart in that assuming it's it's either intentional or a a script mistake uh, and not just a pure subtitling thing. I think the movie really plays this entangled confusion of plot as a strength. Yeah. And it's what keeps you guessing until the end. And it's what keeps you engaged until the end. You're never 100% sure what's going on or where things are going. And so you're, you're, you're there engaged with it until the end. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's a, that's a great point, Tom, because I, I kept wondering i'm like who the f is responsible like who who's who's ultimately pulling the strings and i i didn't know until the end and i think that's one of the things it does really really well and i also i mean it does resolve the the thing that was the most confusing to me is the relationship between like okay they they're bringing this girl home but why and it does get resolved but it happens so late in the movie but it also does so and sets up the kill of the nun which is actually probably the most i guess graphic moment that I remember from the movie, and it, it does it pretty well. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's also, like, there, there's the part where the, at the end where she's hanging off of the, uh, what do you call that? Um, like a, the thing on the side of the building that moves, like, up and down or whatever. They're, yeah. It, like, the window cleaning thing is almost what it looks like. Yeah. Like, but, it looks like new construction or something. Am I crazy? Yeah, but, but she's hanging off of it, and, like, the, the, the witch, I guess, is, like, hitting her hands trying to get her to oh, let go yeah, and just, like yeah that was pretty oh like, yeah her hands are like all bloody and like it's not afraid to like put this kid through some some real trauma <laughs> you know <laughs> um also it's not necessarily like it, it ends on this like sort of happy note but like it's it's got some like weight to it because at the end the two sisters have sort of they reconciled, right? You have Tamami who's kind of like trying to save her now sister who's going to become the victim, but she perishes in the process. And you feel for the kid. Like, you feel that. And I I mean, I, I yeah, can appreciate Yeah, it, it ends with them at her, her grave and yeah. all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Tamami's change of heart maybe, like, happens, like, very suddenly. You know, I, I don't know. If I'm just trying to find things that are, like, maybe don't work so well. But uh, overall, it's an effective... Uh, little horror movie that um, yeah I mean it's on YouTube so I mean even though it doesn't have a DVD or Blu-ray release here um, I mean it's easily accessible for now so I mean I, I think people should check it out especially if you kind of want to get a look at another side of Yuasa and maybe see that you know he did have some tricks up his sleeve that you know you might not have thought um, so how many uh, like uh how many, uh, oh, I forgot. How many ripped in half frogs thrown at oh, your face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, the, the, the snake girl rips a frog in half and throws it at, at, uh, at her face. Uh, how many ripped in half frogs thrown at your face do you give this out of five? Very competent three and a half. It's, it's, it's a fun movie. Yeah, so I... 
I had fun with this. I had quite a bit of fun with this. And I feel like because it redeemed Yuasa so much in my eyes. And, you know, I mean. You want to go watch all we, the Gamera movies? No. Back to back. <laughs> but, like, but, I mean, we've talked about it, right? Like, this, the genre, the kaiju genre has a weird thing with it where, like, uh, Shiro Honda and Shizuke Kaneko might be the only two who were, you know, actual directors because you got like Bono never directed anything um, or, or very few things and, and like Tezuka really never directed anything. But like, you know, of the guys who who kind of had more prolific careers or whatever outside of this genre, Honda and Kaneko might be the only two who have done some of their best work in this genre. Like everyone else who comes into this genre, like like Michael Doherty and <laughs> and Rei Kitamura and uh and even like June Fukuda, like June Fukuda had better movies outside of this genre. Like they do way better work when they're just dealing with not kaiju stuff. And so yeah, maybe Noriaki Yuasa, like I don't know, maybe he had a passion for doing kaiju movies, and that's he why definitely he definitely did. But yeah, the I mean, camera I, movies, but like, yeah, he. I would have liked to see more. Uh, exactly. Of, yeah. This this made him. This makes him. Makes me realize that maybe it was just a not the right fit for him, and that he would have been a a really good fit for doing weird, it, it, not even necessarily kid centric, but like just weird like esoteric uh, fever dream horror movies, you know? Um, I also give this a three and a half out of five. Uh, we're all on the same page. I don't have anything to add. Uh, I, I'm giving it a very favorable three and a half. I mean, it's this is the season, and it's easily accessible on the interwebs at the moment. So, yeah, I, I think you should everyone should check it out. Um, before we get into the next kind of adaptation... I have I have some notes on the 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 manga uh, stories that this was based on. So, um, like I said, these are both very loose interpretations in that you know they'll take some elements or some certain scenes or you know a character name or just some very skeletal things. Um, but this movie is a combination of two stories. Um, the first one is uh, Afraid of Mommy. Um, and I'm going to kind of give you the gist. It's about a little girl named uh, Yumiko who visits her mom in the hospital, uh, and her mother is kind of talking about these rumors going around the hospital of a woman who might be a snake. Um, and Yumiko finds the snake woman, uh, you know, locked away in another room, and she is, you know, de- making odd demands like requ- requesting pictures of frogs. Because I guess snake girls eat frogs, uh, like I mentioned um in the movie Tamami when she rips the frog in half, you know, um, she's also like obsessed with frogs and looking over pictures of frogs. And so the thought, even the thought of, uh, eating frogs, um, results in a transformation into the snake lady. Um, and so Yumiko comes back to the hospital the next day and she notices, she visits her mom and she notices her eyes look different her eyes look strange and um the snake woman has replaced her mother and you know the the story is kind of um 
nobody is believing her that you know her mom was replaced by this snake woman so so you have elements of you know the looking over the pictures of the frogs and you know just kind of this uh girl being driven into paranoia and nobody really believing her um you know so like i said it's very kind of you know just grabbing and taking a few things and kind of doing their own story um then reptilia um uh, is the other story that um, was about a snake woman coming back to take revenge on the granddaughter of a man who shot her in the eye many decades prior. Um, and the granddaughter, uh, Yoko, is said to be cursed by snakes. Um, and so the snake woman ends up tra transforming Yoko into a snake and blinding her in one eye. Um, and she's possessed uh, into basically putting snake scales into her friend's lunch at school in an attempt to transform her friend into a snake girl. Uh, her friend is saved by her father, and uh, Yoko is committed to an asylum where it's said that she suffers from a paranormal illness. So there you have kind of like something similar to the ailment that Tamami has in the movie. So you see it's not really a direct adaptation of the Yumizu stories. It's just kind of taking certain moments or situations and kind of repurposing them. Um, so we're going to get into the next version, uh, which is an episode of a television anthology series called Kazuo Yumizu's Horror Theater. Um, and uh, Matt, I believe, is going to give us a little bit of information, and then we're, we're going to kind of get into our, our review. Cool. So it was written by um, Chiaki Kanaka, who was actually the writer of The Big O, which I, I love that, that show. If you haven't seen it, definitely worth a check out, especially for kaiju fans. It's got robots versus giant monsters with an uh, Evangelion sort of bend to it. It's pretty interesting. Um, but he, he also worked on a ton of different Ultraman series. Tons of Ultraman. Tons of Ultraman. Um, directed by Noboru Iguchi, who um, Machine Girl, which is pretty interesting, Mutant Girl Squad, Zombie Ass, and he also directed apparently a lot of porn. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, He's alternates like... between, like, splatter and just porn. It's very... Yeah, and, like, <laughs> and, like hentai samurai cop and, like, yeah... <laughs> And, and uh, Konaka also, like, he's done some Lovecraft adaptations. He's done a lot of Lovecrafty stuff to the point where he appeared at, like, a Lovecraft festival here in the States, which uh, I think is where Kyle Yount on KaijuCast interviewed him. Uh, but he also writes horror novels and uh, Mare Bito, which is a, a, a vampire movie that we're going to be doing later this month, was also based on his his novel, but... But, oh, yeah, and Iguchi is weird. Um, the actor um, Hiroyuki Watanabe, who people would know from, you know, he has bit parts in GMK and the Kaneko Gamera movies. He's been in a few Mike films uh, in the movie. Rago in... and Raigo. <laughs> uh, Joe Lynch's movie, um, Everly, he was the villain. Um, but he he was at G Fest one year, and someone asked him about Iguchi, and he 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 pretty much said Iguchi is a weird guy, and people probably shouldn't watch his movies. <laughs> so, so yeah. I, um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I man, I think that's all we had though. That's, yeah, that's yeah. That's basically. So, um, I will volunteer one of you to to take us through the synopsis. 
because my brain is dying. I, I would volunteer Tom if he's up for it. If not, I'll, I'll take a stab and you'll have to step in and help me where I'm failing. <laughs> okay, here's here's what I remember. Uh, Yumiko is a, a young girl who goes to school where a teacher was recently murdered. Yes. Um, and in her heart, she... This is like something early and I wasn't quite picking up on all the plot threads yet, but in her heart, she like kind of wishes that she did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and then also she's like a very typical, like tween girl of the, you know, two thousands. She lashes out at the internet on the internet, not at the internet. Um, she posts hate messages. Um, she doesn't really have any friends. So she like lashes out at people online and tells them to like kill themselves and stuff. She's like a cyber bully kind of, um, her mother then ends up sending her to spend the summer with her aunt and uncle in like um, a smaller town. And she's excited. She's like not happy about it. Ooh. Excuse me. Sorry. It is 2 a.m. We'll for- we'll um, but she's excited <laughs> to meet her cousin Kyoko because they're about the same age and, you know, maybe they could be friends. Um, but unfortunately when she gets there, Kyoko is actually kind of the only one who's nice to her. Uh, everyone else like shuns her, says she shouldn't have come, um, tells her she's like going to be cursed by snakes or something. Uh, and she's like feeling really down now. Kyoko is like, Oh, let's go see the local shaman because like, you know, it's probably not you and everyone in the village is being crazy. And at least we can put your mind at rest. And that you'll know that you know you're not cursed by a snake. Um, when they go to the shaman woman, there's there's nobody really there, and Yumiko is actually attacked by a snake demon and bitten. Um, the rest of the movie basically follows Yumiko as she fights an infection to keep uh, to keep from turning into a snake girl. While the rest of her life, you know, constantly spirals more and more out of control. Uh, and she's increasingly blamed for all the bad things that are happening um, and tri- and being attributed to a giant snake. And she becomes more and more convinced that she's turning into a snake girl uh, because she got bit by a giant snake. What ends up kind of being the ultimate reveal is that um, Kyoko is a uh, is tricking her again. Uh, Kyoko is actually the, the snake girl. And what she her plan is, is to kind of make, you know, everyone hate Yumiko, everyone turn on Yumiko. Um, she uses like some weird hypnotism powers to that effect to kind of help her along so that what she can try and do is swallow Yumiko whole. And somehow that will make her be Yumiko uh, or, or look like her to a certain extent. And then she's going to take her place uh, and replace her. So you could see how there's some parallels there with the story that that's told uh, in, in the other Snake Girl movie that, that you know, the Yuasa one with, uh, you know, kind of replacement of children and things like that. So uh, that's that's the plot, as I recall it. Um, you did the Lord's work, sir. You really did. <laughs> um, I, I had a hard time with this one. I, I think part of it, it's kind of that weird tween, like, uh, melodrama that I didn't really get into that much. 
Um, I think the initial part that Tommy kind of mentioned, it was hard to pick up on initially where like she's, she's fantasizing that was her killing the teacher was, I didn't grasp that initially until the end. And then you find out that it's somehow by, uh, the main character, like sacrificing herself and allowing herself to be taken over by the snake girl. She's taking away her hate. I just, I don't know. I, I didn't dig the vibe it was going for. Um, there are some interesting moments where like the townspeople all become zombies ish. Like the snakes bit them and they all look like they've lost the will to live. And they, they basically look like lifeless people and they're all chasing her down and stuff. And the, I don't know. It just, it didn't do much for me. And especially the end. And the, the reason it doesn't work for me is because at the end they become friends and it's like nothing ever happened. They don't bring up the fact that like her parents were manipulated and she smacks one of them over the head and like knocks him down and he could be <laughs> dead or unconscious. Like Everything, none of those those loose ends about the town people being bitten were taken over, and it doesn't have a fever dream feel to it. Like, what well, did this happen? Was it in her head? Like, it doesn't have any of that. So you just assume it's it's all it's everything's fine, everything is okay. And I just, I don't know, it felt very disjointed to me. Uh, I can I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I I think that uh, you know they're definitely working with a much more restricted time limit because you know this is a TV episode, so. You know, it's kind of like it's, it, and I think this is kind of what you, what you were getting at. Like, it, it feels like it's a little bit too broad strokes at times. Yeah. Um. Especially when it comes to kind of the secondary, I guess, plot devices like the the the, the snake zombie people, and you know, really kind of, uh, you know, kind of it kind of ends up like ignoring the the aunt and uncle. Um, and stuff like that. Um, overall, I mean, I, I think is like a TV episode. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely serviceable and I'm sure for, you know, for, I, it seems like a kind of teenage audience, like preteen teen audience, um, you know, kind of projecting the, the kind of teen angst kind of stuff was probably like a, you know, a nice way of maybe modernizing it for, you know, the, 2005 era you know first decade of the internet you know teenagers um but yeah i mean i i think it's lacking in a few places where just certain things aren't really fleshed out and and it it doesn't really have the same kind of like uh perspective that the the movie does where it's like you feel like connected to this character's point of view so it, it it makes the it, it it's a lot less um I don't know it's a little more confusing I guess well she's a less likable character right off the jump right I mean right yeah yeah she's <laughs> we're, we're introduced to her fantasizing about murdering her teacher so yeah and then she um, goes home and like yells at people on message boards and but like yeah. but like in the worst way like go kill yourself and then like it's multiple messages you see her doing this shit it's yeah yeah um. Yeah, it's it's also. I mean, I hate to pick on you know a low budget TV show, but it looks like garbage. Oh yeah, um, it has that like. I think you saw it a lot in the early two thousands. It has that like very like that cheap like shot on like a prosumer consumer like digital. It has that early. 2000s digital look that like it looks just, yeah, it looks like Ultraman me. Cosmos 
if for anybody. Nobody, <laughs> I mean, don't know what that means. I'm just saying, I if you if you listen to this podcast, you might have been. <laughs> it, it looks like uh, it's not. It's got a very like foggy, hazy sort of vibe to it, and it's not. Yeah, but it, not it's like, like the early in. days of digital cameras, and like yeah. you can you can definitely tell. And it's yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that aesthetic either. Um, and the dialogue, you know, I mean, it's a weird thing where a lot of stuff in this movie is like two broad strokes, you know, in terms of like secondary plot development, secondary character development, very broad strokes type of stuff. But then the flip side is like the dialogue is so on the nose, um, you know, and themes are just stated like out loud (laughs) by characters. Um, and I I don't want to like that. I don't want to kill it for that, but I mean, it's, it's a problem, but like, I, I feel like, are you afraid of the dark did like the same type of stuff, you know, and, and goosebumps for sure. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So it, it, this, this feels, it in, feels like one in of line those. Yeah. with those things. And that's where, when, when, uh, when, when Kevin was like, uh, which one are you talking about? I was like this one. He's like, Oh yeah. The rest of them are, are way more twisted than that. And it's like, yeah, this one feels like an episode of goosebumps. Like, um, it's uh, it's just got that that feel to it, like so so much that that I assumed the whole series was like this, honestly. Um, there, but but you know the one the one there's some stuff that works here. I mean, I could see this working for kids. I could see this working for tweens, and there's some decent scenes of tension and you know for the most part those scenes also happen during the daytime, and that's not always an easy thing to pull off in horror. Um, and there's a, there's a fairly early on moment that has like some foreshadowing and foreboding. Um, but I kind of didn't care to go back again and see if I really picked up on it. Right. Or if I just kind of remember like that weird shadowy character kind of standing there at one point. Um, yeah, ultimately it's like a decent little effort, but, um, it, it's not, anything super special yeah uh that's kind of where i fall down on it it's uh it's not like a complete waste but it's enough where if someone said like hey if you like that episode like here's a couple that are even better and it's like okay you know i have an hour to kill like yeah i'll i'll check out this other episode of this show like i mean it's enough that it's not like a waste of time and you know, there's enough there that, you know, someone could convince me to watch more of this series, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so how many, um, how many angsty teens on message boards <laughs> do you, how you, how you many internet this? message boards? <laughs> yeah, do you give this out of, uh, out of five? Uh, I'm at somewhere between a one and a half and a two because if this was like the first episode that you showed me of this series I'd be like yeah I don't know if I want to check anything else out I didn't hate everything about it didn't like it that much Mm -hmm. a side note the girl who plays Kayuki was actually in um, Yakuza Apocalypse so well I'll be damned I recognize her from something I was like what what is she what else is she in but yeah it's uh, Yakuza Apocalypse which is awesome by the way um (laughs) I'm going to go with a two and a half in that, you know, it's it's a solid enough effort that, 
you know, it's worth checking out if you're interested, but it's, you know, it's definitely missing a lot. Um, but there's enough there to make it worth, you know, the 50 minutes, 50 minutes, and it's on YouTube if you're interested, and it's like, you know, yeah, you're, you're waiting for, you know, your friend to pick you up or something, and I mean, it's, it's a decent enough time waster, but it's not something that you're gonna go nuts about or, you know, fall in love with, and so I, I think a two and a half is very fair. Yeah, um, it kept me interested through the end, um, the design of the snake girl is, is kind of fun. Um, I, I wouldn't say the effects are good, but like that design work is, is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I was like, I was entertained for the most part through to the end. Um, I just wouldn't ever really want or need to come back to this. So yeah, yeah I'm at, I'm at a two and a half. Like, yeah, like the, the Yasa film I would say is like, Oh, this is actually a pretty cool kind of like, um, like hidden gem of a movie like check it out and i you know i wouldn't say that about this i would be like if you're interested it's not you're not gonna hate yourself but and you know it'll it'll kill an hour for you but you know it's not something that i would be like yeah you should really try and 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 track that down you know yeah if you get on the weird um theme of movie watching that i that i was on uh where i watched uh Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is definitely more, um, you know, family, kid-friendly than Autopsy of Jane Doe. And um, I I also had recently watched An Evening with Beverly Luff-Lynn, which is still really off-kilter and bizarre, but it's not, you know, schlocky like uh, Jim Hosking's other movie, Greasy Strangler. Um (laughs) And I also had recently, right around this time, watched uh, Speaker Man, The Boo, which is uh, way less, uh, you know, splattery than, um, oh, what's what's that Meatball guy's machine? other? Meatball Machine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also had recently watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which I think has, like, some of the most sweet and heartwarming stuff in any Tarantino movie. If you get on that train where you're watching all these um shockingly uh, digestible and heartwarming movies from guys who usually peddle schlock <laughs> uh yeah because this you know this is made by uh the guy who's done zombie ass toilet of the dead um double horny hentai samurai so and and it's and like you could actually show this to a child and and you know, not, not, uh, get thrown in jail for it. So (laughs) imagine like, that's like, so like, imagine if like, uh, there was like a goosebump series and like Axel Braun. Yeah. Axel Braun, like the (laughs) porn guy, like directed. That's that's so strange. That would not, that just wouldn't happen here. (laughs) Uh, Axel Braun presents goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it sounds like we're on the same page with these, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's all there is for snake ladies, snake girls, snake women, uh, for now, um, both of these are on YouTube, like we said, so, uh, yeah, check them out, um, 
And uh, yeah, I guess is that it? We good? Man, we good. Yeah. All right. We well. good. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.